Ten Commandments, you hear about it a lot, um, and they're really, let me be clear about this, they're really here to show us God's standard of righteousness. That's why they're there. Now, it is important that you don't misunderstand that because inevitably, and I, when you're in my line of work and, and people find out what you do and you're, you're you know, playing golf or whatever that you do and, and somebody says, oh, you're a minister. Yeah, um, uh, you know, and the subject usually comes up. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian or I'm religious or whatever the term might I use. Really, yeah, and then they'll say something like, um, yeah, I follow the Ten Commandments. I mean, I, I, I hear this, I promise you, I hear this a lot. I follow the Ten Commandments. Well, the first thing I think, and I don't always say what I think, I sometimes do, but, um, but the first thing that I think is, no, you don't. I know that. Because really, when we talk about the Ten Commandments, it's not just a matter, you know, that's what Jesus spent a whole bunch of, a whole lot of real estate, so to speak, a lot of, a lot of print in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. He talked a lot about the Ten Commandments, but he said it's not just the action, it's also the thought. He's there, for instance, he says, you've, you've been taught that you're not supposed to murder. Uh, I tell you, if you hate in your heart, you're guilty of murder. Then he goes into the other one, you're not supposed to, to, to commit sexual immorality. I tell you, if you had lust in your heart, you've committed it. So he, 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 he takes it to a, a different level. So when we talk about the Ten Commandments, yes, they are to show us God's standard of righteousness. But one of the important misunderstandings um, about the Ten Commandments is that it's a list of do's and don'ts that if I follow, I'm going to be righteous. Now, that's true, but the truth is you can't follow them. In every what you can't follow them in letter and in spirit. You can't. Well, why can't I? Well, since I can be honest now, because you're a dirtball sinner. That's why, just like all the rest of us. And you fall short. Uh, you fall short of, of, of God's standard. And, and, and let me show you. Let me show you. In, in Romans, for instance, the apostle talks about this. And, and, and just let me show you as an example. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. Here he's talking, he says, for what the law, and the law is the Mosaic law, it includes the Ten Commandments, it's more than that, but it includes the Ten Commandments. He said, for what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by our sinful nature, by the sinful nature, God did, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful humanity to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in human flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who don't live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit who lives in us, those of us who have trusted Christ, and so forth. So you see, when we talk about the Ten Commandments, we're talking about a standard that we really can't live up to without the working of the Holy Spirit of Christ in our lives, God in our lives. And that's an important issue for us. Um, So that's where we start. The fulfillment of the Ten Commandments to the letter of the law and, and, and in spirit, and we, need to, we really need to think about this, it cannot be thoroughly practiced without God through the Holy Spirit working, you know, and, and working in our lives, producing a God-honoring uh, righteousness in our lives that will, that will reveal some degree of consistency between the inner and the outer man. That's important for us to understand. And it's only through, the, through God's working in our heart and in our life that we're able to do. That's why we talk so much about this relationship with God through Christ. And um, so that's, that, you need to understand that when we start talking about the Ten Commandments. You can't keep them without, without God's power working in you 
both literally in terms of fulfilling them by the letter of the law, but also by the spirit of the law as well. So, having said that, let's jump into them. Again, we, there are different accounts of the Ten Commandments. We're taking the Exodus account, and uh, you'll see we're going to look at the first three according to Exodus uh, right here, and just, just follow along, and you'll see what I mean. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Here we go, number one. You shall have no other gods before me. Verse 4, you shall, make, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents, hang on here for a minute, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments." Let me just stop there for a moment, because some of you already got some issues. Um, first of all, let me, let me, verse 4, you shall not make any other image, so forth and so forth. But then he says in verse 5, um, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. It would be a mistake to relate God's jealousy to any kind of, to almost any kind of jealousy that you might have. Obviously, there is a righteous jealousy that you should have maybe if somebody is, is coming on to your husband or wife or, or whatever. Um, certainly, that, that's not a bad jealousy to have. But the thing that jealousy so often involves is some, some degree of selfishness. So God is not selfish. So it would, be, it would be wrong for us to look at this and say, God's jealous? Well, in a healthy way, because he wants our love. He wants our, he wants our, 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 our hearts. He wants to have a relationship with us. He doesn't want us bowing down to some freaking totem pole, you know, um, or, or, or something like that. And that's an important issue, although it's not always just totem poles that we get hung up on, uh, unfortunately. Now, the part about punishing the children, what is that? What is that all about? I am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me. This really, really goes back to two weeks ago, if you were here, and if you don't, you can go on the uh, website and, and listen to that message. I talked about how many times people, um, the, the sins that you have the hardest time with, often you will find uh, your, those reflected in your children. Uh, doesn't have to be, but often it is. And as I said then, I went through like five generations, starting with Abraham and how they had this problem of lying and, decept- and deception. Um, but, but my point then, it is now, you can stop that. You can put a stop to that by God's grace and God working in your life and, and start things over again. So you don't, you don't have to look at those verses and say, well, I'm doomed. My parents sinned and therefore I'm... I'm no, no. It, it can stop with any generation when they come to Christ and say, I want to I serve the Lord. And, and, and children are going to be blessed out of that in every, in every situation. So there you go. That's what he's talking about there. Now, the last verse, which is really the third commandment, at least in Exodus. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Some Bibles there read that you shouldn't use the Lord's name in vain. You know, and, and, and you know what? We can argue over words that might be acceptable or not acceptable, and we can argue over whether a person should use this word or that word. But the one thing I don't think we can really argue about is when we hear the name of God misused or used lightly or blasphemed, that's the one thing we know the Bible is very clear about. And I I have a high tolerance for language because I play golf. And um, 
Uh, it's just, you know, every now and then when I, 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 you can say about anything, and I'm not going to get bothered, but when every now and then when I hear somebody just using the Lord's name over and over and over again, just every so often, I'll just, usually not every so often, usually quite frequently when I hear it a lot, I, I will say something like, dude, why don't you leave God out of it? Your swing stinks, you know? Um, and, and, and so many times that that's just, people, I don't know, it's just, they, they want to just bring curses and so forth. Because, you know, just, my point is this, that that's, we, there's a lot of things we can argue about, that's not one of them. Okay? And that's, that's a pretty clear issue in the Bible. Here is the point of the first, really, in this passage, and the second, and the third commandment in, in Exodus. And that is this, God is to be the center of our lives. And I don't want you to miss that. God is to be the center of our lives. That will affect how we live. He will affect, really, that will affect what consumes our lives. Uh, You know, that will affect our priorities. That will affect our values. That will affect what's most important to me. You know, Um, that will affect how we talk as well, when God is at the center of our lives. It's a huge issue. See, idolatry happens, and we need to understand this because too many times we, we think of you know, people worshiping statues and totem poles and, and you know, caves and rocks and mountains and trees or whatever. Um, idolatry happens when we allow something other than God to consume our lives. And that can, look in, that can look many different ways, and we need to, we need to stop and we need to think about that. Uh, we're reading a book, uh, or we're doing a book in one of our uh, spiritual formations group uh, by Tim Keller, and one of, he, he says this, idolatry is not just a failure to obey God, it is a setting of the whole heart on something besides God. Uh, I just really think that that's very concise and sums it up very, very well. Not just a failure to obey God, it's a setting of the whole heart on something besides God. That could be a lot of different things. But what can be some of those objects of worship for you and for me? Well, obviously, we can think that uh, we would no- normally go to an addiction as being something that, that is, becomes a God because it so consumes us. Maybe that's a chemical addiction. Maybe that's another kind of addiction. Whether it be now we're you know now we're told and I'm not I'm not making light but now we're told there are things like anger addictions and there there are things like like sexual addictions and we're told that there's things like other kinds of behavioral addictions and and you know I, I used to kick against that a little bit but I, I'm 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 I understand that some people can have a a, a kind of behavior that can become so addictive that it might take um, some sort of a quote-unquote detox type of place to to get them out of that and to get them thinking in the right way. I understand that and and sympathetic to that. But we think of those things as as idols because they they are just so consuming and addicting to an individual. But you know what? There are a lot of other things that are addicting too. A lot of other things that, that, that become idols in our lives. And it's not just rocks and and statues and, and whatever. I, I, the biggest one, let me just say, let me just, let me just start with the, let me just, just, just go right for the juggler right here. The biggest one is materialism. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but you need to hear it from somebody who loves you, and that is you and, and me, we live in a very materialistic culture. And uh, magnified, and, and, uh, and uh, just the cunt, our country alone, and then where we live, it, I think it becomes even more magnified. And, you know, when we start thinking about those kinds of things, and I remember the first time I heard somebody, uh, it's been years now, many years ago, that I heard the first time I heard someone 
sort of bemoaning the fact that they didn't know if they could keep their third home in Hawaii. And, um, and listen, there's nothing wrong with a third home in Hawaii. There's nothing wrong with a second home if, you're, if you've been blessed in your fortune. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's when that starts consuming me or that quest for material gain starts consuming me that it becomes a problem. That's the problem there. I'm not going to tell you there's anything wrong with it. It's not. But, you know, and materialism doesn't have to be big. I mentioned last week when I did the announcement that I did that uh, I want an iPad. I want an iPad. And somebody asked me, what would you do with an iPad? I have no idea what I'd do with an iPad. I don't know what I'd use it for. I just want one. I could just have one. I could just put it on Facebook. I have an iPad. And that'd be cool. Um, but I have no idea what I'd do with it. Now, somewhere in there, materialism's taking over, isn't it? Is there a need here? Well, not really, at least right now. I'm not going to say that forever because I may want to get one someday and I want to have that used against me. But... Um, uh, <laughs> No, I mean, we sometimes just want stuff for the sake of getting stuff. Now, again, there may not be anything wrong with a fourth or fifth car if I collect nice cars, and I may be able to afford that, and that's fine. But when it, when it starts consuming me, that's the problem. And you know what? That's real hard to judge from the outside. You, 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 really, you're really the only one and maybe one or two real close to you can, can really make that, that judgment. That's a tough one. I certainly can't make it for you. I'll help you think through it, but that's a, that's a judgment of the heart. Money goes along with that. The uh, whole idea of, of just, you know, and I know people sometimes who, um, especially some of you who've been working with finances all your life and, and, and you want to go check your portfolio, you know, pretty much daily or several times a day and see how it's growing or not. And, uh, and, and so there's nothing wrong with that again. But again, is that consuming you? I don't know what that's like. I've been a, you know, you know, I've been a minister so I, most of my life, so I don't, you know, we do okay. But I, I, have, I have experienced this one thing. I have, um, I have a hold them on my, on my uh, iPhone, and, and it's... Um, I've been doing, you know, I've been really, whenever I'm waiting on somebody, or I'm waiting on someone, I'll just, you know, play hold them. Um, I've done really well, and I find myself checking my, uh, my little portfolio. I've got three and a half million dollars. I'm up. And, and, and iPhone money. I mean, that's not, that's play money. I'm not going to get that. But I thought, well, that would be, you know, I can understand now if somebody really gets into checking their money and how it's growing and how it's growing. I mean, that, that can become an issue. And, and again, nothing wrong with checking on nothing wrong with having it. But what does it do to you? Does it consume you? Does it, cons- does it consume your thoughts and your, and your uh, passions and all the other kinds of stuff? You know, entertainment can be an idol. Just want always to you know, see the latest and, and find out what's going on. And, and now I got Twitter and I can find out what whoever the latest hot thing is, he or she, uh, you know, by following him on Twitter. You know, that's great. Okay. Just consuming. Is that an idol? It could become that when you start thinking about it. Your home can become an idol. Your career. People. I mean, I'll even get real personal here. Sometimes even kids can become an idol. We're just totally consuming, totally consuming. And then they grow up and move out and don't return your phone call and you're like, your life is, oh my gosh, it's, you know, life is over as I know it, you know. You know that's, that's a tough situation. Um, by far, by far and away, the biggest 
and the baddest idol you have to deal with. I know that's bad English, but I like to say biggest and baddest. Um, The biggest and baddest idol that you will ever have to fight off. You know what it is? That big, fat, selfish pig called you. That's the biggest idol. Just flat-out selfishness. Just selfishness. I want what I want. I want to do this. I want to do this. And and, and it's something that that, that, uh, nobody can really judge because they don't know how often we're thinking about it. But, But we know. And God knows. And, and that's the issue. Let me, let me show you. Uh, Pope John Paul II said this, and I, I just thought this was really, really good. The great danger for family life in the midst of any society whose idols are pleasure, comfort, and independence lies in the fact that people close their hearts and become selfish. Boy, that's true. And it doesn't just affect family life, I would add, but it affects many other things as well. Uh, self. That is by far one of the biggest idols that we're going to have to... It's so subtle, you know. And, you know, that's the thing about this, and I need to talk about that a moment. This, this, this thing called idolatry, I mean, we, we know about it if, if, we're, if we're physically worshiping a tree or, or a rock or, 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 or whatever, but um, it's such a subtle thing that it can creep its way into your life, um, anybody's life. And some of the most shall I say, creative ways. It can creep, it just creeps your way into your life. Let me tell you, true story, guy I know, know him pretty well actually. Something like 10 and a half, 11 years ago. Um, great love for Christ. That was reflected in his life for the most part. Had a degree of success. Um, caused his position, his job to become a little more and more visible and certainly had greater influence, at least in the town where he lived. Um, So much so that that job and that influence began to take on a, a new level of importance to him to the point where it became an idol. Became an idol. And so here's what happens. When, when the wrong things like that become an idol in my life or in your life, you know, values get fuzzy. People get hurt. Most, most, most of all, the, the, the idol worshiper gets all whacked out of shape and gets hurt really bad. Because here's the thing. That guy was me. You know who my idol was? church. A freaking church. I mean, a church. It's a good church. But it became my idol. Got some of my judgments all whacked out. Family wasn't even second. You know, God wasn't first. The church was. And, 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 and the success of that. You see, what was that? And my point is, see, an idol can be something as good as, quote, unquote, a church. Or, or your position. I mean, it's, it's, it, that's not an evil thing. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not drugs, you know. Uh, it's not alcohol. You know, it's, it's something totally different. And if we're not careful, these things can sneak up on us and they can bite us and all of a sudden things get distorted and all of, you know, things become fuzzy and it becomes just 
some real, real strange issues. That's why we have to guard it. God is to be the center of our lives, the center of our lives. It's hard for me to tell you exactly, okay, do this, do this, do this, and this will make God the center of your life. Let me help you with some, just some bullet points to get, get you to think through this here just for a few moments. Um, how do we do that? How do we, how do we make God the center of our lives? Well, put yourself in the right places, first of all. Logistically, put yourself in the right places. Church would be a good start. Don't let it become an idol. I won't be with many of you, but... Um, Put yourself in the right places, and that might be, you know, we, you know, this isn't the end-all wherewithal, but church, it might be to help to hear the right things, and some of our spiritual formation groups might help with that, get you thinking whether, how often, however often you can attend, maybe some other kinds of things like that that you can get involved with. Um, get yourself in the right place. That's, that's one way. None of, this, none of this is foolproof, I realize that. Just, just some, some bullets to kind of help you think through that. Uh, along with that, put, put some right people around you. People that will speak truth, truth tellers. People who will speak the truth to you. And we'll be able to ask you the hard questions like, is that more important to you than it should be? Um, without, you know, I call them enhancers, not enablers. They enhance our life. They don't enable it. Um, put the right people around you. You know, seek to put your mind and your heart where it can be stimulated to healthy thinking. And here's what I mean by that. What, it, what is your mind... And I will just use it also heart. What is it, what is it dying on? Are you dining on junk food, figuratively speaking? A lot of TV, nothing wrong with TV. A lot of movies, nothing wrong with movies. Is that it, you know? Maybe some unhealthy things on the internet. What, what, are, you, what are you dwelling on? What are what, 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 what you dining on with your mind? Because that's going to affect it as well. Those are important issues. And you know what? The, the last thing I'll tell you about this, when I start talking about this whole idea of how do I make God the center of my life, you know what? I, I, I'll be really blunt. I don't think you can without the help of God Almighty. Our prayer has to be, God, I want you to be the center of my life. I need you to continue to be the center of my life. Help me to, help me to, to know it when I get off, when I go a little here or go a little here, and get me refocused. And I don't think that can really happen. I know it can't, in my case, without God's help as we pray and ask God to give us the strength and, the, uh, and the, uh, really the, the perceptions that we need. Idolatry is not just a failure to obey God. It is, setting, uh, it is the setting of the heart on something besides God. Only you can make that determination. And I trust that God will give you the ability to do that. God is to be at the center of our lives. It affects, he affects how we live. He affects what our values are. He affects how we talk. And uh, may he give us the unique ability to live in that kind of a way that's going to honor him. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we uh, are grateful for your, your love and your grace. And God, without, without that, uh, we're doomed in so many different ways. Help us to think through, take action on some of these things of, of how you can be at the center of our lives. 
We pray that. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.